0: You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Anger, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org. Well, good morning and welcome yet again to Grace Community Church. If it's your first time here, we're so grateful that you chose to be here this morning. We'd love to to get to know you. Uh, if you've been coming for six months and we've never met, please speak to me after the service. I'd love to get to know you. And at this age, I get to meet you every other week or so, you know? So I'd love to get to know you a little bit better. Well, last Sunday morning, <clears throat> we officially welcomed eight new members into the church family here at Grace Community Church. Although we've claimed them for a while, and they have claimed us as well. If you have been through the membership process at Grace, you may have been surprised at how thorough it is. Why is that? Well, we, and when I say we, I'm referring to those who just joined as well is the leadership and all of the members here at Grace. We take church membership seriously. Meaningful commitments are in rather short supply these days, wouldn't you say? Uh, This past week, I read a review of a film that centered around a woman who is... While not markedly wicked, nonetheless self-centered, happy to be on the move, never committed to any relationship, and never fully knowing the hurt and loneliness she leaves in her wake. Sandra's latest partner in our story, Jason, is frustrated because he feels he's not active enough and. Protecting and preserving the environment. <clears throat> but it could have been any cause for which his lack of focus produced this angst. I just feel like I should be doing more. So we pick up Rusty Reno's review here, the editor of First Things. And his review is as much social commentary as it is film review, which is really the reason I'm quoting him. Quote, Sandra does him the kindness of waving away today's moralistic self-accusations. She helps Jason see that the first task of life is to live, to be present to others, and to relish everyday joys. But, Rusty Carino says, this first task is not sufficient for a good life. Our joys must be sealed in commitment. We need to make those perilous decisions to go down paths from which there can be no turning back. Close quote. Do you ever long for the days when a promise was almost as good as a contract? Parents, this is an aside, but this is a good time to say this as any if you say to your children, most of whom just left a while ago, I couldn't believe the number of kids going out of here a while ago. But if you say to them, maybe we'll go for ice cream after dinner. That sounds like we will go for ice cream after dinner. Be very careful with what you say. And 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 when you make a promise, do your absolute best to fulfill it. No matter who the promise is made or to whom the promise is, is made. If you're new to grace, you'll want to know, brand new, you'll want to know that we are in a series about missions. And we're spending this month in the book of Philippians learning about what a partnership between church and missionaries should look like. It begins with a commitment. So how committed are we or at the very least how committed should we be? Well, as the title of the message suggests, we ought to be joined at the heart with our missionaries. Today's text is Philippians 2 verses 25 to 30. In this text, Paul singles out Epaphroditus for special recognition. And we talked about Epaphras a few weeks ago. But this is not Epaphras. This is a different person. Epaphroditus. This man, about whom we know very little, played an important role in the partnership between the church of Philippi and the apostle Paul. The Philippians had sent Epaphroditus with support, maybe a bag full of money, who knows, to go to help Paul, who was in prison. in, In Rome, the Philippians... Uh, were counting on Epaphroditus to not only deliver the money, but also to help Paul in his service. Paul's letter to the Philippians was being delivered back to them by none other than the hometown boy himself, Epaphroditus. To give a fuller understanding of today's text, I'm going to read the entire chapter of Philippians, chapter, uh, of Philippians 2. So I'm going to encourage you to just remain seated for this reading, but I think you're going to see how it all ties together. And after I read the text, I'm going to ask Ted McKinney, who's on our mission team uh, and also has served on the mission field, to come. We're going to have an interview uh, about short-term mission trips, which you've already heard about a little bit. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. So, Paul begins. and, And you remember, Philippians, one of the key things Paul is trying to do is to get these two dear women, Yodia and Syntyche, to get along. They... They weren't getting along, and Paul said, this is so sad, you guys need to to get along. But he says to all of them, and it's a good word for all of us, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, you know, this reminds me of verse 1, it reminds me of a teacher who says, if you don't get anything else in this class, get this one thing. What do you do when you hear such? You immediately start, right? You you want to take this down. And Paul is starting this way. Do if, if there's any affection and sympathy, complete my joy. Being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only on his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Now we're going to be given an example. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours, in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. A lot of theology here. Jesus did not empty himself of his divinity. He let go some of his divine privileges to become one of us on the earth and let himself be limited by the limitations of the human body that's in a fallen world. He himself was not fallen. He was perfect, 100% God, 100% man. And he emptied himself by taking The name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only is in my presence but much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation With fear and trembling. He's not saying work for your salvation. But what God has worked in through Christ we are to work out. For it is God anyway who works in you. Both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. I'm sure you all did this quite well this week. That you may be blameless and innocent. Children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering, upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you all should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I may be, too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to go, I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I know how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself may come also. I have thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, And your messenger and minister to my needs. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow." I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. So, essentially, Epaphroditus had been sent by the Philippians. What they could not do at home, he did or from Philippi, he did in Rome when they sent him on this short-term mission trip. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Did I read that? I've got it on there twice, don't I? Okay. Well, good. All right. Ted McKinney, come on up. We are going to uh, take a few minutes and... Talk about your service Okay
1: Ted. Okay, does it sound good? okay.
0: Ted gave his testimony at men's breakfast yesterday. It was amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that, and you shared a little bit about your time in Suriname. You went to Suriname. You served there two years as a single individual. You served two years there with Gail McKinney. You did mission trips before and after. Ted, you've done a lot of short-term mission trips. So just talk a little bit about the benefit of those trips, both to the individual going or the group going and to the people on the field.
1: OK, yes, I have been to uh, Suriname, South America. Uh, While I was in college at Columbia International University and uh, it was a great summer for me and and my roommate my college roommate went and then of course later as Brad said I went back for two years as a single missionary and then two years with Gail and uh, and then I've been back about seven times since. So, And I've been to Mexico three times and Guatemala and to Alaska twice. So um, I have had some experience of short-term mission trips, and I'll say that it is a blessing. It will affect your life in a great way. Sometimes it's difficult, believe me, and I think that you need to keep that in mind, that you're not going there on a vacation. You're not going there for your benefit necessarily. You're going to minister and to be willing to be a servant and, and to learn because it will it will affect your life dramatically, perhaps even change the direction of your life, as it did in my life.
0: So um, I, I imagine you have seen this. Maybe not, and I hope not. Sometimes uh, a short-term mission trip can be more of a burden than a blessing for the for the people there. Do you, have you ever seen that or been aware of that happening?
1: Yes, that is true. Uh, most missionaries really want students or young people yes. or even adults to come because they know that it's important for them to see the work and see the culture and get introduced to it firsthand. But it is a, an interruption of the missionary schedule. It's it's taxing on their time and their efforts. And sometimes they're struggling with maybe problems with their own kids. Sometimes they may want you to come there to help entertain their kids or to, to encourage them and and be mindful of that. You can be and encouragement to the missionary and to their kids, so keep that in mind. Um, and and sometimes it is it is really a burden because the missionaries have a full schedule already and they're ministering cross culturally, so they have a lot of stress and strain that you're not aware of. And but it, on the on the other hand, they often like to have someone from their own culture, their own culture, uh, their own country and language to talk to because many times. As in our case, we were ministering all day long in a foreign language, and it was great to have somebody to speak English with, you know, and mm-hmm. you get to catch up on what's happening back in the States, so to speak.
0: Yeah, that's really good stuff. Um, it, just, just to think about ways that we could bless the missionaries. I mean, you you go in and and say, let me take the kids for you today, and you go do the thing that you've been doing. Now, surely you'll want to spend time with the missionaries. Tell me, what is it that the missionaries look forward to? How how do we bless them in, in going, in addition to just the things that we've talked about? So
1: uh, well, as Paul mentioned, we are servants. Jesus Christ mm-hmm. set the example. He was a servant. We have to bear that in mind. That we're going to serve the people there in that culture and serve the missionaries. And, and as Paul mentioned, not with grumbling and complaining, because it's easy to do that uh, here, of course, but even in a especially in a foreign country where it's too hot or too cold, or as many mosquitoes or you know or insects of all kinds or snakes, um, and where the food is so strange, uh, you just you know, I mean, hey even if you go on a mission trip with teens, you know, you might end up eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and cheese or or oranges and apples. And And the problem with this peanut butter jelly every day is... (laughs) I know you can live on peanut butter and jelly for a long time. I've done it. (laughs) Uh, I went as a single missionary, you know. (laughs) But um, those kind of things you have to be aware of and, and that you are going to serve and encourage help the missionaries. You can help them greatly because as I said, they've got their own schedule, their own responsibilities and burdens. And there are people coming oftentimes all day long to distract them or to try to you know have needs or burdens or want the missionaries time to do something else. So you can just volunteer to do anything you can, just things that you would do here at home. Um, you know, so it'll be a blessing to you and to them.
0: So I thank you I, I think one of the key things I'm getting from you, and we didn't rehearse this, we, and you knew what the questions would be, but is to go in with the mentality of serving. If you go in complaining, boy, that's going to be. If you start complaining about, really, there's a, I have to go out there to the bathroom, but there's snakes and spiders at night.
1: Uh-huh. That's, that's very true because there will be some real discomfort level depending on the country you go to if you go to a remote area like we did we live 200 miles in the jungle by bush plane and believe me there's a lot of difficulties that you haven't encountered before and outside of your comfort zone and and so you just have to expect those things and you just ask the Lord to give you strength and grace to bear up under it and and the Lord can use that to change your attitude, change your whole life direction. And you think sometimes, oh, I could never do that. I couldn't endure that. But God can help you. He can give you grace to do that. So
0: one last question. If you're in Suriname, you're going to the outhouse, and a, and a python starts curling around, what do you do?
1: Well, you go get your machete and cut his head off or get a stick of firewood <laughs> like I did. Uh, Gail and I, you know, in the evenings, we lived in the jungle, in a jungle house that was... Palm thatch roof and wooden stairway, and we had no indoor plumbing, uh, no bathroom, so we had to go to the outhouse in the corner of the yard. And and we, had, we did have a diesel-powered generator. We would have lights from about 9 until 10 at night, and then the Indians would shut the generator off, sometimes suddenly, without us being prepared. So we'd grab the flashlight and go down the stairs to the outhouse, and I was busy trying to get the radio charged, the battery-powered radio. We communicated by missionary... Aviation radio to the city and to the to the missionary aviation fellowship planes, in case one needed to come all the way out there to the jungle for some emergency. But I was trying to get the battery cables uh, unhooked and ready. And Gail said, "Well, I'm I'm going on out. I've got to go." So so she took the flashlight and I heard her flip flops flop, flop 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 down the steps. Then all of a sudden I heard her flip flops going pop 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 <laughs> back up the steps. Oh, oh, there's a snake down here. There's a snake. And I thought oh, there's no snake in the the village. The little Indian boys always killed them all with their bows and arrows or chopped them with machetes. But um, I grabbed the flashlight and went down there, and sure enough, here was this uh, boa constrictor about 10 or 12 feet long, and it was beautiful, glistening in the flashlight with colors and circles all on it. And Gail said, kill that thing, kill it. I said, no, I want to capture it. No, kill it. So I took my machete, chopped his head off. She said, throw it in the river. No, I want to get his skin. You know, that's beautiful. (laughs) And so the next morning, little Indian boys came to our house as they customarily do, just to watch us, like watching TV. You know, we're their cartoon <laughs> channels, you know. So um, they were standing there, and I said, Well, I'm going to Okay, where's the big snake? And they said, Can I? I don't know. And they didn't know what, we, what I was talking about. I said, Well, I killed a snake last night, and I had seen the water swirling out there. The piranha were eating something. I thought those boys threw that snake in the river. And I was kind of upset at them, but they didn't know anything about it. And so one of the adults saw me questioning the boys. He came in. He says, what's going on here? And I told him about killing the snake last night. And he said, well, did you cut off its head? Well, actually I didn't. I remember now I hit it with a stick of firewood and thought that that was good. Cause like I said, I wanted to skin it, didn't want to destroy it. He said, did you cut off its head? And I said, no. He said, well, you didn't kill it then. So I didn't know if that was just superstition or if that was reality, but You know, there's all kinds of things you might encounter in a primitive situation, but many of you uh, probably will be going to a city. And so, you know, God can help you deal with the the difficulties in a city or in the jungle.
0: Yeah, there's snakes of a different kind in the city. (laughs) Different sort. Thank you, Ted. So, if you're thinking, man, I wish he were doing the rest of this message. Um... You're in luck. He's going to be preaching in May when uh, Alice and I are going to be out of town. And so you'll be hearing from Ted and maybe he'll tell a, a few more of those stories. Thank you very much. One of the things our mission team is talking about is trying to include money in the budget that we would be able to send people for a week or two to our various missionaries. So far, I mean like elders, deacons, mission team members... So far, we've got 43 people signed up for Italy and zero for Suriname. So we're going to have to work on that. I'm just kidding. Well, if I asked everyone in this room who has been on a short-term mission trip out of grace, not just earlier in your life, but out of grace to stand, you would be amazed Suriname, the Philippines, Italy, Cuba, Savannah, Georgia, Washington, D.C., Budapest, Hungary, China, the Czech Republic, India. Many more places where we have sent people representing Grace Community Church to serve those on the field. In many cases, we supplemented these trips. In fact, most cases, we supplemented these trips with both church and personal funds. The mission team is overseeing the church's support for most of these trips. They've done a fabulous job for a long, long time. I'm privileged to be serving with them this year. This summer, as you've heard already a couple times, our kids are going to Chattanooga, Tennessee to serve in that city. I've spent time in Chattanooga, but it was a long time ago. Uh, Next year, the plan is for our youth to go to Italy. So Epaphroditus is a good model for the calling that many of you have answered. And hopefully many more will answer in future years. I want to read one more time about Epaphroditus' service to Paul on behalf of the Philippians church. Beginning in verse 25. I have thought it necessary, Paul is saying, to send you Epaphroditus. So they sent, I, 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 I read this, checked it out, it seems a little bit long, 800 miles from Philippi to Rome. But Paul said, you sent him to me, but now I'm sending him back. My brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him. And not only on him, but me also. This is an amazing thing. Is You know, we when people say, oh, God have mercy on us. I say, well, he'll have mercy either way. But Paul identified God's mercy in this very special way. He said he was merciful to both of us. Lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him therefore that you may rejoice at seeing him again. And that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy. And honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. So here is what happened as best we can tell. The Philippians um, sent Epaphroditus to Rome with money to assist him. Paul was in prison. It was likely a case of house arrest. And unlike today, prisoners had to... Provide for their own housing. for uh, Well, he was in, in a house, so I don't know if he had to pay rent for this house or what. But he had to provide his own food, clothing, other expenses. And there were also ministry expenses that needed to be met. And Epaphroditus had been chosen to deliver the help to Paul. It's likely that the Philippians sent him there in hopes that Timothy could come back to Philippi and help them. They knew Timothy well, so they were hoping Timothy could come back. But Epaphroditus became ill, and so Paul needed Timothy to stay in Rome. He was instead sending Epaphroditus back home. It could be that Paul's Comments were intended to ease Epaphroditus' concern that the church would consider him a failure. Just imagine this. Maybe Epaphroditus was one of those that said, Oh, I want to go. I want to, I want to go. And they said, Okay, you go. And he gets sick along the way and can't fulfill his ministry. There is, and, and, and Paul is saying, Don't think of Epaphroditus as a failure. He's anything but. Of failure, there is so much for us to consider in these few verses to which you have likely given little thought in your personal devotions. If you ever came across this text in your personal devotions, you probably moved along quickly, almost like you're reading the genealogies in the Old Testament <coughs> or about some of the sacrifices, although I'm certain there are many more implications I thought just list a, a handful of things to think about in view of Paul's comments about Epaphroditus. First, Epaphroditus was willing to res- represent <clears throat> the Philippians in service to Paul and thus in service to the Lord. Can you imagine how excited he must have been to represent the, the Philippi church? He was taking a generous offering. An offering that had come from very poor people. And in fact. Paul is going going to see next week. They were the only ones. That supported Paul in this way. The Philippians are almost certainly. The the poor Macedonians of 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. That Paul talks about. So Epaphroditus was excited. He wanted to do just like Ted was saying. Whatever. Paul needed him to do. He left his work and family behind, but considered it a privilege to serve the Lord in this way. Next. Epaphroditus' heart was both with Paul in Rome and with his home church in Philippi. Since he was delivering money to Paul, others would have been with him. Corinthians, First and Second Corinthians, makes this really clear. There's a, a, a serious accountability system, which, by the way, we have in place here. There are several people who are overseeing the process. It's not a lot of people who know how much you give or don't give. But there are deacons and an elder or two, along with our financial uh, service Person, by the way, we are without an accountant right now. Sam is no longer working here. We need somebody to fill that position. So please be praying about that. But there is a very serious accountability system in place for the finances here. So there would have been a lot of people going with Epaphroditus, and it's possible that he got sick on the road. And they said, look, we're we're a lot closer to Rome than we are to Philippi. You guys go on. I'll go back and tell everybody in Philippi to pray for Epaphroditus. This would have been disturbing news back home. When you knocked on death's door in the first century, it more often than not opened for you. Thus, when Epaphroditus was sick, he was as worried about his home church's concern... For him, as he was about himself, Paul, Timothy, Epaphroditus, Philippians, they were all joined at the heart. Another truth from our text. All kingdom service is equally important. important. If, before this morning, I'd ask you to tell me everything you know about Timothy and Epaphroditus. Most likely, you would have been able to list two or three things about Timothy, but I doubt you would have known anything about Epaphroditus. And yet, he gets as much praise from Paul as Timothy does. It's possible that the Philippians were as disappointed about Epaphroditus' trip as he was. But Paul set them straight, saying that he was well pleased with the young man's service. And thus, the Lord was pleased as well. Perhaps you're tempted to wonder, really, I don't know how important my service is here in the big scheme of things. When Paul informed the members of the church at Ephesus about the body of Christ, he reminded them that every joint with which the church has been supplied or equipped is imported in the ministry Of the body of Christ. If you saw a piece of paper in the parking lot. On your way into the building. And you picked it up. That counts for service. That's my camp director days. Come, I just. I mean when the best of them walk with me out there. They say how do you see all that? I'm just conditioned to see it. I'm picking it up all over the place. If you prayed for the services on your way to church this morning. That counts. If you practice with the worship team on Thursday, but you're at home watching online because you're sick, your preparation, your intentions, your service counted. And that brings us to the next thought. Even though Epaphroditus' service was cut short through sickness, he was credited with full service. What was he able to do for Paul? Not nearly as much as he had hoped. Don't you know that he had, again, laid late, late awake at night before just dreaming about the things that he would do? I'm sure Paul's words to the entire congregation were comforting to the disappointed short-term missionary. Next, we are not sure why Epaphroditus fell ill. Could Satan? And, and, and think Job and Paul's thorn in the flesh. Could Satan have caused this sickness? Could he have had something to do with it? It is sad that we so often look on circumstances to determine God's favor. Look, if you get sick, if something bad happens to you, of course you've got to say, Lord, is there anything that I need to be aware of here? But more than likely, you know whether that's the case or not. And by the way, When it comes to the Holy Spirit, one of the ways that you can tell uh, the difference between the Holy Spirit and a a conscience that is being used by Satan is that your conscience and Satan will condemn you. The Holy Spirit will convict you. It's more of a settled kind of like, okay, I know this is from the Lord and he's saying this for my good. He loves me. I need to deal with this sin in my life. But if there's just this shouting and accusation. That's not coming from the Lord. If things go well, we tend to think God is pleased. And if things do not go as I think they ought to go. Then either God is displeased or there's something wrong with me. Although that's kind of the same thing, isn't it? We have no idea why Epaphroditus got sick. But we can confidently say that it was not his sin that caused the sickness. And maybe one of the reasons Paul wrote to the Philippians is they're back there thinking, Something wrong with that boy. I mean, why would the Lord lead him to go and then he gets sick and can't do what he's wanting to do? Might physical sickness sometimes be spiritual warfare? Paul had his thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, he said. Paul called Epaphroditus his brother, a fellow worker. I was thinking about this when Ted was sharing this morning. And a fellow soldier, a minister of the Philippians. And this is war. Don't you know? We're in a war. Next. You have no doubt heard, don't brag on him or her. He's going to get the big head. Apparently, Paul seems to have missed this nugget of spiritual wisdom. He not only publicly praised Epaphroditus, but he commended Timothy as well. Pride can go to our heads, right? We know the danger of pride, which is why we're so often warned to let another praise you and not your own mouth. A stranger and not your own lips. Proverbs 27, 2. The Lord knows our need for encouragement, though, and he repeatedly tells us, build up and encourage one another. 1 Thessalonians five eleven. We should honor one, one another all the while keeping our own personal pride in check. Check. Furthermore, we should honor those who serve well, including those whose service is little noticed in the larger church family. And we should also honor those whose ministries are sidetracked or cut short by illness or life circumstances beyond their control. The Lord surely honors those kinds of services. One last point. Somehow... Paul's praise of his two co-laborers did not diminish Jesus' exalted status nor our praise of Him. We do not deserve to be allowed to stand in the Lord's presence, much less to be allowed to praise Him. And in so doing, To please our Creator and Redeemer. When we see the holiness of the Lord, if we were not glorified as the Holy Spirit does for us, He glorifies us. When we stand before the Lord, we would not be able to stand it. But He enables us not only to stand there, but to praise Him. And to be pleased with our praise. As we have already recalled at the Lord's table and as we have sung about today. It's not anything that we can do. It's all Jesus. And when we repent of our sins and believe that He died to take our place. He suffered in our place. Then we are brought into the family. And who wouldn't want to praise this God Who saved us through his son's death. Why wouldn't we want to spread this good news? And why wouldn't we want to partner with those who are spreading the gospel in different places. In different ways. than we're able to do from here. And why wouldn't we want to send some of ours. To encourage them. May the Lord strengthen the ties that we have with our brothers and sisters on the field. Everywhere from Chickweave Arena to Sydney, Australia, Melbourne, Australia. After all, we are joined at the heart. Let's pray. Well, Father, uh, there's so much instruction in your word. There's so much that we learn from example in your word. And we hear the Apostle Paul's commendation of a man who was surely disappointed that he didn't get to do what he thought he ought to, to be doing for the Lord. And so, Father, we just pray that you would cause us to have the heart It was called for uh, by Ted McKinney to go and encourage and serve in any way that missionaries might need. So that they will be built up in the Lord and that they will find some great blessing in the ways that we serve them. Ways that we might not have thought we were going to serve on the field but ways that advance the kingdom of God. So we turn our hearts anew and afresh to you today, and we praise you for your goodness and your greatness. Thank you, Jesus, for laying aside all those privileges, or laying aside the privileges, and for the most part not taking advantage of who you were as God When you came to earth as one of us. But you were God 100%. It was very clear at times. At other times it was very clear you were 100% human. And you're both today. We praise you, exalt you, and thank you. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Grace Community Church. Located in North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this audio content to share with others. But please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Grace Community Church, go to graceccnc.org.